So let's leave it alone because we can't see eye to eye. There ain't no good guy. There ain't no bad guy. There's only you and me, and we just disagree. Oh, who, who, oh, oh, oh. I don't know. Joe, I don't know why you, you include those last, the last oh, oh, who, who. <laughs> you could have kept that out, but no, anyway. No, because that's, it's ooh, <laughs> oh, yeah. If you want to sing it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just, just reading it, just when reading you, it sounds a little bit like, you know. But anyway, the song, let me just say the song real quick for our audience. Um, the song is called We Just Disagree by Dave Mason. It's from his 1977 album called Let It Flow. And that's Joe's selection for the week. And uh, Joe, what, what were you thinking when you when you chose this song? Why did this speak to you this week? Well, I, I've liked the song since it was what, 1977 or 78 when it first came out. Um, my brother explained to me what it was about. And it was, you know, and he said, you know, in your life, you're, it's going to happen to you too. I mean, and, and it's sure enough, it, it, it did. It's, it's one of those things, one of those situations in life that really never get a whole lot of attention. It's, you know, this thing where you grow up and you hang out with certain guys, certain dudes, and this isn't just gender specific either. This could be for females too. You, you know, your teenage years and even a little bit after high school, you run in certain circles and you have certain friends. And then then just it just kind of happens that life changes people change and people start to go their own separate ways and it's like you know you were just hanging out with this individual in this social circle and then things things change in life and so forth and then you don't see them and then maybe five years go by ten years go by and you run into them somewhere and you run into them and it's awkward uh, and you just kind of, instead of, you know, saying, hey, you know, what happened to you? Or what do you think you're better? Or this one, or, you know, why did you? Or you just kind of, hey, man, what's going on? How you been? I hope you're doing okay. You know, uh, you go your way. I go my way. You know, let's leave it alone. Let's not even try that thing where, oh, we ought to do lunch sometime. Oh, really? When? next? And Because people say these things and they don't really mean them. Just come out and say, you know what? We used to hang out back in the day. Life changes. You know, you kind of went your way. I went my way. We all did that. So let's leave it alone. There ain't no good guy here. There ain't no bad guy. It's just you and me, and we just disagree. We disagree on how we want to live our lives. You want to do X, Y, and Z, and I'd rather do ABC over here, and it's cool. That's kind of the macro version of it. Okay, let's leave it alone is you go your way, I'll go my way. It's cool, though, bro. Neither one of us are better than the other. There's not no right or wrong. There's no good guy. There's no bad guy. That kind of happens. That's the macro version. The micro version, Sean, is something that, is different. It's sort of like in an existing friendship, you have a friendship with somebody and it's a good friendship. And like any friendship, you're going to have disagreements. You're going to have arguments. Sometimes you get a real knockdown, drag them out. But at the end of the day, maybe a day goes by, maybe a week goes by. You say, Hey man, you know what? I'm sorry. I, I, I could have said this a little differently. I should have maybe said that a little differently. When you said this, I should have listened better, this kind of a thing. So let's leave it alone. Not let's leave it alone as in the other one. Let's, you know, let's not, you know, just let's leave it alone as in let's leave the friendship or the relationship alone. Let's leave this issue alone because we're never going to agree on it. We're still friends. We're still boys. We still hang out. Our friendship is the same, but let's leave it alone. This issue that we were arguing about, let's just push it away and realize that you and I may never see eye to eye on that one issue. 
who the hell cares? Let's leave it alone. There's no good guy. There's no bad guy. There's just you and me, and we just disagree. I think it's a story. It really is a story of understanding, and it's a mature way to handle disagreements. Like I said, too, it's not gender specific. You could replace the word guy with lady or girl or whatever, because women go through the same kind of thing. They hang out in certain circles at certain ages, and then things happen, life changes. And this is just a mature way to deal with awkward, you know, situations in that first macro version. And even in the micro version, it's like, you know what? We got a good friendship here. We got this one issue. Let's leave it alone. Let's go over here. Let's talk about the 98% of things that we agree on and forget this 2% over here. It's always been that way. I've, I've always admired that approach. It's a, it's a more, and I'm not going to bring religion into it, but it's a more, uh, it's a more Christian, you know, um, alternative than to fighting and quarreling and everything else. And it's a mature alternative. And to boot, it's a damn good song. If you just get, then listen to Dave Mason sing this thing, it's a damn good song. So yeah. what brought us to my attention? Recently, I was sitting at a fast food restaurant. And I saw a face that I hadn't seen in 25 years. It was just an old, it was a dude that used to run in some of the circles I used to run in. And we just got to talking. We were never really crazy about one another. We were never enemies, but we were never really crazy about one another. We had two social circles that kind of overlapped and we knew each other from that. And it was just like, yo, man, we did the little hand slap and the shoulder you know the shoulder bump and hey man how you doing this and that and wish you the best that's kind of what prompted me to you know and then i heard the song again and i'm like oh man dave mason so that's what it was that's what it was nice yeah i like the song i never actually heard it till you told me and i thought i i consider myself a music aficionado even with the classic rock i, I could recognize songs pretty quickly but mm -hmm. this one escaped me um all the classic rock i listened to in the car my parents uh, car growing up that really just uh, downloaded all those songs to my mind just as a child and wasn't even aware that I was you know downloading classic rock and becoming a big classic rock fan mm -hmm. but I am and uh, this song really I, I don't even know I just if I heard it it wasn't more than once you know um, and I it, I was singing it all week you know the past couple of weeks since you told me about it you know I'm walking around like there ain't no good guy there ain't no bad guy there's only you, you know, that type of thing. I can't really yeah. sing, obviously. Well, at the but... <laughs> very end, too, Sean, it's ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Oh, you, well, you included that part. That's why like, I put it in there, yeah. Yeah, re reading that part was kind of was kind of like an unintentional humor, like just reading. Ooh, <clears> ooh, <throat> ooh, oh, oh. It's like, you know, you have to really sing that to understand it. That's one of those yes. lyrics. You got to hear it. You got to hear them sing it. But uh, it's cool. Good, good choice, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Um, as far as recent, um, events, uh, I'm just going to speak to this cause I just found out about this right now today. The, uh, the Pentagon, uh, they said they shot down an unidentified object at a high altitude over Alaska. Did you hear about that, Joe? I heard something about it. Yes. Um, they don't know. They're not saying if it was a, a, a balloon or a, a drone, it fell over like the frozen Alaska sea. Um, they're not confirming exactly what it was, um, but it was shot down. It's it's crazy, you know. And all of a sudden, you know, we're shooting down objects above our nation, um, roughly the size of a small car this time, not the size of three school buses. So I quickly wanted to mention that because I just was alerted to that, you know. So that's interesting. Another object was shot down, um, but they're not sure if it was a Chinese spy balloon. But you know, the only thing I heard. 
Yeah, what? the only thing I heard showing about it, and, and I don't, I have to get more information to formulate a, a, an educated opinion about it. I just can't pop off. I have to get all the information. But one thing I did hear is that it could have posed a, um, a threat to uh, commercial aircraft. So when I heard that, it was okay. Uh, at least it makes a little sense. But again, I have to get all the information before I start, you know. So yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, did you happen to check out the State of the Union? Actually, I did not. I actually did not. And I did not. No, no, because, I know Joe, Joe's your guy, man. I'm surprised. Well, he is my guy. I just thought that he was walking into a hornet's nest. And I just, I just, I've seen so many of those things. I put something else on and I figured I'll get the recap on CNN or something later of how he did. And it surprisingly did a lot better than I thought. I thought he was going to have a real tough time. I did, however, I was not disappointed in that there was some, some really coarse and vile, um, unprofessional opposition. I don't mind opposition. I don't mind opposition if it's professional and if it's well thought out and it's done with class. But of course, some of the, um, I'm not going to use any terms I shouldn't, some of the opposition during his speech, which right there during the speech is a little, um, but again, um, I'm not even going to mention any names, but the, um, uh, the people, the couple of three, four people that you would think would be the candidates to be um, very unprofessional, awkward course, uh, and to disrespect um, the moment. Uh, they didn't fail. They they were the ones that I heard were popping off. And but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't okay. surprise yeah, me. But was, that's it. But was, that's it. Other than I that, I don't I don't know much about it. What happened? I didn't watch mo most of it, but I did tune in for a little bit and what i what i really locked into was a, there was a silver object in front of uh, the speaker of the house kevin mccarthy and every year when like when i see the state of the union or see clips from it i see this silver object so i got fascinated by the silver object and i looked it up it's it's an ink stand and it's it's a it's a coin silver ink stand it's placed on the rostrum i guess that's the desk that mccarthy is sitting at with the vice president kamala harris um, it's the oldest surviving artifact of the house and was made between 1810 and 1820. Um, its origins are mysterious. Uh, it's, it's stamped with the mark of Jay Leonard, a Washington silversmith and watch watchmaker. Um, it's adorned on both sides by swags and eagles. Anyway, I, uh, has, it also has snakes blending down them on the side, classic symbols of unity and wisdom. I just became fascinated. I was looking for something that was funny. I was like, okay, that's funny. What the hell is that random silver object in front of McCarthy? Because I mm -hmm. see it every year. And I looked it up and like, there's a whole history behind it. It's just like, they only use it for like the state of the union, I think. Um, and then I got fascinated by like some of the, some of the outfits people were wearing, some of the interactions, like apparently like Joe Biden, like kissed uh, Kamala Harris's husband on the lips or something like that. Um, and then like, you know, some of the outfits of some of these people were pretty funny. It was like, they were going to like the Met Gala. Um, so I tried to find stuff that stuff that was funny. I didn't really lock into everything. You know, Joe was saying, gotcha. I thought that was interesting. The random silver object that's always in, that's always, uh, in front of, uh, the, the speaker of the house. So anybody listening, you'll know what that is now, I guess. I'm going to, uh, now that you mentioned it, uh, you know, I'm going to check it out. I'm going to be looking for it next year. I'll be looking for it because now you've got my curiosity aroused. I had never even noticed it. Yeah. I, Cause uh, I've watched, I watch it every year. I just didn't watch it this year, but I've never noticed it in front of Nancy or anybody. I've just never, never looked. I'm going to have to see. Yeah. I mean, I, I get focused on some stupid stuff sometimes and then I just, harp I don't on think it. it's stupid at all. Sean. I think it's pretty observant. 
Thanks, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so speak, I guess we'll stay on the topic real quick. What is your opinion, not to get political at all, um, but what's the sweet spot for gas prices in your opinion? Like, should we, like right now we're around in New Jersey, we're around like 325 a gallon, at least where I live. Um, you know, what would you like gas prices to be? Would you like them to be at like 250 a gallon? You think that's fair? I'd like them to be about a buck 25 a gallon. I mean, I'd okay. like a lot yeah, of things. No, I, I was- I was going high. I wanted to hear what you had to say. Yeah, I no, I mean, I'd, I'd like a lot of things, Sean, but there are um, there's so many other, so many external factors, and we're coming off an epidemic, number one, and now we've got this problem with this joker over in Russia. I mean, there's, of course, I mean, the president would like it to, to them to be as low as possible, but, you know, when you're dealing with a lot of extraneous factors that are out of your control, there's only so much you could do. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to answer your question. I'll say a little lower than they are, but I can't start pointing fingers and saying, and, and extrapolating too much about, well, you see under this one, because under this leadership or that leadership, the, all those extraneous factors were a little different. And more favorable yeah, to lower think, prices. That's all. That's all it is. I I don't want to extrapolate too much and say, well, yeah, that's not, a reflection not, not of the getting, like, so, Not getting mm-hmm. not getting political. I'm just I'm just curious for our audience too. Like, what do they think um, is a fair price? I mean, obviously, I would like gas to be sub below a dollar. That would be ideal and amazing, right? Sure. But um, if we're being realistic, you know, because it's been you know it's been around like five or six bucks. I think I think during like the pandemic, it really got it got you know it was over five or around five, and that was pretty high. Now it's back down to around like three, like I said, like three twenty five. But um, you know, I just always that's one thing I always root for whenever I pass because you know I drive a lot, so I pass gas stations and I always I always check the price. I'm like, oh, you know, damn, you know, why is it so high today? Why did it go down? I'm like, you know, I just like seeing what I just like I root for it to go lower. It's just one of those things I root for when I'm driving. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so I went to the movies, uh, last night. Um, don't make fun of me, Joe, but I saw a movie called magic Mike. I did not see the first two. So I have that movie subscription and I see everything that's in theaters. And I didn't know if I was going to see this cause I didn't see the first two. And it's, it's a comedy movie and Channing Tatum's in it. And like, I find Channing Tatum friggin' hilarious. Oh, I think Salma Hayek is in that. Salma Hayek's yeah, oh. Sam, I mean, yeah, Salma Hayek's in it, Salma Hayek's in it, but um, I didn't know what to expect. Um, I thought it was like funny at times. I would rate it probably a 6.1. I'm being fair because I was going to say 5.9. So I'm going 6.1. I'm doing the Dave Portnoy score, scoring scale where I'm deciding between whether it gets into the sixes or stays in the fives. Uh-huh. Well, Dave Portnoy, the Barstool Sports uh, founder, he reviews pizza and stuff. He's all over oh, the internet. Okay. Anyway, I didn't, I never, he, he was okay. scoring and, you know. But um, I thought it was funny at times. But one thing that really, you know, I, I was only the only one of the only guys in the theater. I felt like because girls, you know, it's about male strippers, right? So about like thirty percent of the movie, you're looking at guys with no shirts on dancing, like these muscular guys. And I'm like, obviously, that's not my thing. I rather see women. Um, but you know, I can see why it has a large female audience, and they made this is the third one because it keeps doing well in the box office. They keep making more. This one's supposed to be the last one. It's called Magic Mike's Last Dance. Um, but you know, if it didn't have so many guys, like the whole, the move, the premise is about like male strippers pretty much, but, um, it's a comedy movie, but if it didn't have, uh, all that male, you know, all the male bodies and no shirts on and stuff like that, then I probably go a higher score, but 
even even without that stuff, it just the storyline was a little bit like not it wasn't really explained clearly. I couldn't really get attached to the characters. I know people know Magic Mike from the first two. I had no history of him, so I wasn't attached to his character. And Sama Hayek was also a new character. So um, I just thought the storylines were a little bit rushed and it wasn't like, I, for some reason, movies either click or they don't. Sometimes the storyline, they kind of just throw scenes together and you're like, oh, I guess that's part of the story. I like to be to clearly understand things, but um, I thought it was unique in the sense that it took place in London. I don't think the other two took place in London. Um, but anyway, if that's my movie that I saw recently. That's pretty much the only new movie out this week. Well, I would uh, mess around and go see that only because I, I'm Selma Hayek. I mean, <laughs> To me, she's the alpha and the omega. I mean, I'm going back 20 years. She, Selma Hayek is, yeah, exactly. she's, yeah, she's still tremendous. But anyway, I digress. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, she. Uh, I think she's actually in your age range, and for a woman that's in your age range, she's 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 fabulous. Still looks, she yeah. looks like she's in her like I would say she can get away with looking like she's like 39 to 42. You know that even right. though. And she's, uh, I'm guessing she's in her 50s. You should you have know? seen her 25 years ago. I it was on. Un- yeah. <laughs> Just she's crazy. 56 years old, man. Yeah. Yeah. Matter of fact, it was uh, I, Fool's Rush In. She did a movie, Fool's Rush In, with, um, I think it was the guy from Friends, Matthew Perry or whatever his name is. But she was just, she was in that movie. She's just, just I mean, in any movie she did back then. She's some Hayek, dude. I mean, it's just, that was, to, to me, that was the quintessential. I anyway. Think, yeah. I think she's all natural, too. I don't think she's had any work done. That's, I think I she's know. all natural as well. And she just was, just was, un, just unbelievable. Just really. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but what else did you say, bro? It gets me thinking on, on the topic of women for a second here. Um, what's your thoughts on a, a girl like you're super attracted to? She's attractive as hell. And you're like, you're you're like, you're like, you got your eye on her. You're like thinking, OK, you know, maybe I want to ask this girl on a date. Maybe I want to get to know her a little bit. Uh, but then you find out, you know, that she smokes cigarettes. You catch her outside smoking cigarettes. And you're like, for me, it's like a killer. I'm like, oh, my God, she smokes cigarettes. Because, you know, I've smelt cigarette breath before and I know how smoke smells to your attaches to your clothes and stuff. Cigarette smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your what's your opinion? Have you ever dated a girl who smokes cigarettes? Most of the believe it or not. And, and I I used to I used to smoke. I mean, back and I used to smoke cigarettes for you know, like a half a pack a day for a long time. And to this day, I'm still at one or two a day, like at nighttime just to relax. But during the day, you'd never know. And I'm pretty much a non-smoker. Most of the girlfriends I've had have been non-smokers, believe it or not. And they, quote unquote, really didn't mind me smoking a little. But I had some girlfriends that were yeah, but- that were smokers. But to me, it's the volume. It's it's is she like is she a handful of smokes a day? All right. Is she like lighting one up after the other? Then, then it's kind of, then it would probably be uh, something that I would probably be inclined to like stay away from. You know what I mean? It's, I, it's happened to me several times where I'll be like, I'll you know, start eyeing a girl. I'm like, man, she's got potential. She's attractive. Like, should I talk to her? And then I see her outside the bar, or outside of work, or outside uh-huh. wherever, outside a store, and she lights up a cigarette, and I'm totally just go the. I'm totally just turned off. I'm like, oh, that's enough. You know, like that's like you know, that's not, that's not what I want in a girl. You know what I mean? Well, but it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's. I just think, I just think it's like one of those things because I'm obviously attracted to girls, and I'm thinking I don't want to smoke her, but it's also the same for us. Like a girl sees us smoking cigarettes because I thought I was cool in college. They had these, these they had these bars that had these cigarette uh, dispensing dispensing machines. 
And I bought like a couple packs of packs of like parliaments or like Newports or something like that. And I thought it was cool because I'd be drinking at the bar and then I go outside and smoke some cigarettes. And I, I did it for like a couple of weeks. I became a smoker for like a couple of weeks. And I go outside on campus outside the dorm smoking cigarettes, thinking I'm cool. And now I look back at that, I'm cringing. I'm like, oh man, girls probably saw me smoking cigarettes and probably thought I was disgusting, you know? It's one of those weird things. And it, here's the thing too. Suppose you see a girl you really like and she's smoking a cigarette. So you talk to her a little bit. You find out a little bit more about her. Does she smoke two packs a day or does she smoke about five or six cigarettes a day? That's A. B is if you get to know her and you have a relationship with her, maybe you can maybe you can be the catalyst for her to start knocking them down. You know what I mean? Start, you know, to start reducing them and so forth. So yeah, it depends about, on the person. Think about, that first, think about that first kiss though with the cigarette breath. She might have the cigarette breath, man. So you're kissing her. If you really dig her, you're kissing her. So it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I don't, you know, yeah. you know, it's one of those uh, things. Let's talk a little bit because we're on this, I guess the topic of scents and smells and things like that. Do you use car air fresheners? No. So you just go, you just have the natural smell of your car. You let it air out. It's, everything's fine. Like you don't, you don't want any, any extra scent in there. Correct. Okay, because I use these Febreze car air fresheners. They're pretty good. They go right in your vent. Um, you, you put it right in your vent, and it ha- they actually last for at least they, – they're supposed to last 40 days, and they pretty much do. Um, and they have some cool scents. I don't know. It's, one, it's a cool thing sometimes because I have leather seats in my car. So when I first got my car, I had the nice new leather smell, but obviously that's kind of faded. And I go to the gym every day, so I'm sweating, and then I get sweat on my seats. Um, so I need something in there to, uh, to freshen the car out. So I was just one. I was just curious, you know. If you, uh, if you have car air fresheners. No, I've done it before at different times with different vehicles and everything else. But I've had uh, the Jeep that I've had. I've had it for 10 years. I don't smoke in the vehicle either. As I mentioned to you before, if I do smoke now, it's it's one or two and it's at nighttime at home. I don't smoke in my vehicle. My vehicle smells really, really fresh still because I just I don't smoke or I, I don't allow anyone to smoke in, in the vehicle. But um, what's sufficient to me is like every three months I go to the car wash and have them do it inside, outside. And it stays relatively nice. So I don't, you know, I don't force anything on it. And I'm nice. cool with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, quickly, I want to talk about one of my favorite shows just returned. Uh, season four of Netflix. It's, it's a show called You. Y-O-U. I love this show. Uh, one of my favorite actors who will do one show, Penn Badgley. This dude is friggin'. He's just a great actor. He's so underrated. And I'm glad that he got a role like he did in You. Um, I think it started off on Lifetime and eventually moved to Netflix and it became a smash hit. Um, it is, it is awesome. He was also in a show called Gossip Girl. So he was kind of famous for that too. But um, the show is, is great. It's about this like guy who's like, his original name is Joe Goldberg and he like stalks girls. But he had like the whole show as you're watching, he, he, he like, he talks out loud. You hear his brain talking, not actually him talk, speaking these thoughts out loud. You hear everything that he's thinking and when he's talking about these girls and what he's doing. Um, it's kind of creepy, obviously, but that's that's what makes a good TV. It's like this guy is kind of like obsessive and he finds a girl that he's like obsessed with um, and he just like locks in. And like, you know, a lot of stuff happens in the show. I'll leave it at that, Joe, because you haven't seen it. I think right. you, I think you actually really like it. Uh, there's murder. There's drama. There's all sorts of stuff. And it's like relationships like you've never seen before. Um Cause like before he meets a girl, he knows all about her. Like he's already followed her around and learned all about her. It's creepy. It's, you know, it's called you. 
the, the premise of the show is a dangerously charming, intensely obsessive young man goes to extreme measures to insert himself into the lives of those he is transfixed by. So it's uh, it's like, you know, people like this probably exist in society, but, you know, they're walking the earth, but the show is a fictional show, but you see what goes on in the mind of this like kind of crazy guy. But he's like, he's really, he presents himself as like a normal, he fools everyone. Um, but it's such an interesting show and I'm so glad it's back, you know, season four and uh, I'm already two episodes in, I'm enjoying it. So anybody who watches the show, you, um, maybe I'll talk about it a little bit more in the future, especially Joe, if you start watching the show, maybe we'll talk about it a little bit, but I'm not telling you to watch it at all, but I think you would actually be like, wow, this is a pretty interesting show. Um, so I, I'm happy I will. I'll I've try. And I wanted to tell you about something I started watching. I can't believe I started watching it, but I started watching. I'd like the damn thing. It's called what? The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Oh, dude, I love that show, man. Okay. I thought I was saying, what, what am I, because it's pretty cool. First of all, she's a very pretty, attractive, cute woman. Uh, second of all, um, it, it's New York. It's in the 1950s and 60s. Uh, some of the apartments and the buildings and the cars and everything, yeah. the atmosphere is really, really cool. And then her story is pretty neat, you know? It is. It's a great show. Um, Rachel Brosnahan is the, the actress you're talking about. And yes. It's a cool story. I don't know what episode you're on, but she basically has dreams of becoming a comedian. And it's, I just you know, finished season back, one. Yeah, it's back. It's back in like the, you know, I think it's like the, the 50s Manhattan. Late 50s, yeah, early yeah, 60s, yeah, yeah Manhattan. Uh, so there's not a lot of uh, female comedians. And then she has a husband and, you know, they're a Jewish family. And, um, you know, he, it's frowned upon. Her husband's like, why, you, why do you want to be a comedian? What do you want to embarrass me? So she deals with all this stuff from her husband. And she has to battle being a female comedian in the fifties. You know, it's really parents, the the, the dynamics there. Oh, it's really good. It's really fantastic. I'm I'm proud that you're, I I didn't even recommend that show to you. And I'm proud that you found it because I do love that show. Yeah. I can't wait to start season two, you know, so it's cool. I never, never thought in a million years, but I wow, that's, that's pretty neat. You're right about the period that the, the, they did so well. Like it makes you believe that it's actually taken place in like the fifties and sixties. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's, I'm always cool. amazed at that when, when shows can do that, cause I'm thinking, okay, they had to buy a crap load of uh, old cars and they had to, yeah. they had to get the, the background, right. They had all the scenery that goes, all the scenery in the background <laughs> yeah. making you believe it's really that time period is amazing. Yeah. And you know what else, Sean, I, I talk about new shows and trying new shows. That new one you told me that um, the guy from uh, anyway, it's called Shrinking or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason Siegel and uh, Harrison Ford. Yep. I watched the first three episodes. As a matter of fact, later tonight I may peep the the next episode should be out by it should be today. Um, but I watched those first three episodes and I I like it. I like the show. Yeah. It's a it's a nice little spin on like you know what would a shrink do if his life his personal life gets a little bit uh, depressing and out of hand and he gets his behavior changes and he translates it, brings it to the work and he starts changing. Cause he's a doctor, basically he's a therapist mm-hmm. and he starts telling people what, exactly what's on his mind and giving them like advice, like, you know, not to give anything away, but he tells the one woman to leave her like abusive husband. She does. She literally leaves him. Otherwise, I don't know if he normally would be saying that. I don't know what a doctor, you know, I'm not a therapist, but he gives like really like extreme advice. And like, you know, the patients are like, what are you, why all of a sudden you, you're changing your, your opinions and advice. <laughs> yeah. and, it's also funny because Jason Siegel is a funny, he's a, he's great for like being like, he's perfect for this role, but Jason Siegel is a really like funny, like he fits in like comedy as well. He's a good rom-com type guy. Yes. Um, yeah. 
And Harrison Ford, I, you're actually ahead of me. I, I started season uh, episode three. I didn't finish episode three yet. So um, it's a great show, though. I, I really, I'm enjoying it too, man. I, it's a good show. So we'll talk yeah, about it too mm-hmm. in the future episode. I'm glad you're watching good. it, though. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Um, so on the topic of acting, uh, Joe, you chose our actor of the week. I'll talk about him real quick, and then I'll let you take the floor. Uh, Paul Giamatti. Am I saying that right? Is it Paul Giamatti? Paul Giamatti. Yep, Paul Giamatti. Well, it's, it's, oh, we're not doing Ed Harris this week. I'm, my bad. I'm sorry. I yeah. thought I was going to do Ed Harris. Okay, never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> sorry, uh, Ed Harris. We're going to push Ed Harris off the next week. Go ahead. Yeah. Um. So Paul Giamatti, he was born June 6, 1967 in New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, born and raised in Connecticut. His mother was an actress before... I think she was an actress before she met uh, his father, who eventually she, she married, obviously. Then she became an English teacher. His father was the president of Yale, Yale University, pretty good school. Um, then he was the commissioner of baseball, but he died five months after taking the job. So he was a pretty, his father was pretty impressive. But then Paul actually must have been smart or his dad got him in. I don't know what the story is, but Paul seems pretty smart. So he probably is a combination of both, probably. He probably Wait a minute. Some You're telling me that... The, the commissioner of baseball, Giamatti, that he was Paul Giamatti's father. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I did. never knew that, Sean. Yeah. That's yeah. neat. Good work. I never knew that. I'm Pretty sorry. Cool. I was actually really shocked. shocked. Years ago, I was driving in the car with my dad. And my dad told me that. I was like shocked, like you are. I'm like, really? I didn't. That Paul Giamatti's dad was commissioner. Like, I didn't know. So. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of unfortunate he only got to do the job for five months. You know what I mean? It's a pretty prestigious job, and to suddenly die sucks. But yeah, no, I remember um, the the commissioner Giamatti, right? I just remember him, yeah. and I know it's the same last name, but I never put them together until you just said that. I was like, wow. I'm sorry to interrupt yeah. you too. It's just such a shock. I didn't know that. Good work. Yeah. Go ahead. Thanks. Um. So Paul has his bachelor's and master's from Yale. Um, cause it's one of those things I said, I mean, I make a comment, like his dad probably got him to school, but you still have to go there and you still have to do the work and you still have to graduate. So not only did, did he go there, he did the work, he graduated. He also got his master's there. So, you know, Paul's probably yeah. pretty smart. Um, Just a little anyway, bit, yeah. he got his master's in fine arts. He was uh, very active in the undergrad undergrad theater at Yale. Uh, he knew Edward Norton and Ron Livingston. I actually just watched a, one of my favorite movies of all time, Office Space, is Ron Livingston's in that. Oh, um, love that movie. So, oh, my dude, that movie is freaking. I was going to bring that up in the intro, but I was like, ah, we're running out of time. But I, a, I love that movie. We'll talk about it another day, though. Um, he wasn't really into acting until high school. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm backtracking a little bit here, but when he was in high school, he ended up in the school play because a guy he knew thought he was a funny guy. So he, he's like, why don't you do the school play? So the next thing you know, he's acting in the school play. And I, I guess that that wet his whistle to get into acting. Um, and then I watched a little bit of him uh, on Stephen Colbert's show. He's He's got a lot of gravitas. They call people with good personalities. They have gravitas. Yeah, he um, does. He, uh, he's very engaging and he's he's very entertaining on late night shows. Because Some people on late night shows are not that entertaining. It's like, wow, what? This is like not, you know, I feel bad for the host sometimes. They're really pulling it. It's like they're, they're really trying to pull everything out of them. They're, they're not flowing. But with Giamatti, it's easy to talk to. So I recognize that right away. So I like that about him. Um, he was the voiceover for Burger King's regret commercials. And he told a really funny story. He thought he got a Burger King black card because um, he, he's like, he called his agent. He's like, so, you know, do I get Burger King for life? The next day he gets a package. And it's it's just like it's just like a FedEx or something like that. In it, it's nothing else, no note. It's just like a black Burger King card. 
and he thought he was in shock. He thought he had a Burger King black card, free Burger King for life. He looked it up and he thought, you know, George Lucas has it. Only 12 people in the world have it, including Robert Downey Jr. And then he was all excited. He told his son um, and he was all pumped up. And then he just realized he looked, he, he read the fine print in the car. It was just a hundred dollar gift card to, to, uh, to, to Burger King. So he's kind of disappointed. <laughs> um, so it's just a funny story. I love stories like that from these, you know, late night shows. They have funny things like that. Yeah. Um, as far as the movies that he was in, Joe, I'm going to let you do the top five in a second. Um, let me just talk real quick um, about some the stuff that I've really seen him in that I like. Um, Donnie Brasco, Private Parts, Saving Private Ryan, Sideways, Cinderella Man, Hangover 2, um, Billions, Ides of March. I didn't see 12 Years a Slave. I actually want, I really want to see that movie. I have to, you know, I want to really want to see it. Um, and Joe, I'll let you do your top five. And then after you, uh, I'll talk about my top five real quickly. Four shares. Sure. And I mean, top fives are subjective. This is, you know, look, and so, but, and just because I pick an actor, it doesn't mean I've seen everything that he's ever done. I'm not a movie buff or anything like that, but, uh, number five, saving private Ryan. He was a, uh, he was, um, a field, uh, sergeant in, in that movie and i liked i liked his role in that number four straight out of compton he was <laughs> he was their manager he was that quirky manager um that uh that pushed uh, pushed them over the edge a little bit um number three he was uh a wine connoisseur divorcee type of eccentric character in sideways uh, which I alluded to I think a couple, three weeks ago, because I, I said to you, I thought Diane Lane was in that movie. I knew it was some unsung, very pretty actress that doesn't get enough attention. And I guess it was, I was just thinking Virginia Madsen. I I, I, got, I don't know why I was thinking Diane Lane was too, but um, Sideways, he was in that movie. And it was actually a, a different kind of movie. And it was kind of funny. Um, my second favorite, my number two, is a movie he did, and you'll like this because you're a Howard Stern fan. It was that Private Parts. Uh, he played he played a real quirky um, radio station manager, and every if anyone ever remembers the way he said that, WNBC. He kind of tried that. Howard Stern was having no part of that kind of introduction, um, but it was just he played a funny character in that private parts. And the number one, and look, you know I'm a history guy, and you know part of the rules for the look, it's our game. We make up the rules anyway. Part of the rules for this is it doesn't have to be a movie movie. It can be an HBO movie. It can be TV or whatever. But he did something on HBO. It was a movie slash maybe mini series, if you want. I think it was more like a mini series, like a three three episode type thing, each episode being at least two hours long. But it was called John Adams about our second president, John Adams, and me being the history of, uh, uh, you know, the I can't say buff enthusiast, the history enthusiast that I am. Um, I really, I really, really, really enjoyed his role as John Adams in the movie called miniseries called John Adams. Laura Linney was um, Abigail Adams, and it was just really, really cool. It just took you through, put you like there, right there, boots on the ground with him um, in colonial America. And it was j just really, really well done. And I, he was that kind of a guy too. John Adams was just that kind of a guy in personality and in stature 
everything I've I've learned about him. So they couldn't have had a better candidate to play John Adams. But so I'll go over one more one more time. Five was Saving Private Ryan. Four straight out of Compton. Three sideways. Two private parts. One John Adams. To you, sir. Cool, I actually haven't seen John Adams. Um, I, I I made a point to watch it when I was at Villanova. I love it. Um, and you know, it's it's one of those things that I just never got around to watching. Mm-hmm. I told myself I was going to watch it because I was doing something for class that involved John Adams. I'm like, oh, it'd be cool to watch something about John Adams, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I never got around to watching it. But uh, my top five number one is Private Parts because I'm a Howard Stern super fan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that guy is the man. He's been one of my heroes since like 2003, pretty much. Um, you know, you listen to you listen to the guy so much, you feel like you know him. I mean, I listen to the show religiously. And uh, he says in the movie, he's like, he's like a fungus, you know, he just grows on you. He grows on you. And, he, <laughs> you know, I always think whenever I think about Howard Stern, because I listen to it constantly, you know, all week, there's three shows a week now, but I listen to pretty much all 12 hours. And um, it's true. It's like he's he really is like a fungus. Like once he gets in your head and you start listening, it's tough to it's tough not to listen to him. He says it in the movie and his nickname for Giamatti in the movie is uh, Kenny. Uh, well, he plays. Jim Adi's character is Kenny Rushton, but his nickname is Pig Vomit. Howard Stern gives him the nickname <laughs> yeah, Pig Vomit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is actually Paul Giamatti's first high-profile role. Because, um, you know, he was born in uh, in 67, but it wasn't until 97, about when he was 30 years old, that he got his first, like, breakout role. And it was, like, it was Private Parts. It was a Howard Stern movie. Um, and there's one scene where Giamatti's in the office, and they're talking about Stern. And Giamatti says, if they hate him, why do they listen? And the guy he's talking to says, most common answer, I want to see what he'll say next. Because they're yeah, like, yeah. people who like him listen for an hour a day. But people who hate Howard Stern listen for like two or three hours a day. Yeah. So the people who hate him the most are listening more. Because um, just because they want to hear what he says next. So Giamatti mm-hmm. got really upset because he really hated Stern in that movie. And they hated each other. Um, so, and, you know. Giamatti was talking about how he researched the role because he was on the Stern show. I think he was on around like 2010, if I'm correct, around that time. Um, he said he didn't really research the role that much or even know what the guy looked like or even know what, you know, Kenny Rushton, like it was based on a real guy, but he didn't really, he didn't know what to expect. All he did for the, for the, for the, for the audition, because he didn't have a lot of acting experience. Um, he had like, he said he, he used the term, he used a stupid Southern accent. So I think now, we're politically correct and we're kind of like in the, the, the cancel culture. I don't think we could say stupid Southern accent. Um, so what he would probably say now is he just, he had a Southern accent um, to train for the role. Uh, and then the, the other actor Stern praised them. Stern said other actors working around Giamatti said working with Paul was, was, uh, was easy. He makes it easy for you. So that was one thing that stuck out. Cause you know, sometimes working with different actors and I've heard this a lot in Hollywood, some actors are really difficult to work with. They're really divas and they're tough to work with. It sounds like Giamatti was humble. It was his first big role and he was easy to work with. So I respect that about him. Cool. Um, so that's number one. Private parts is number one. Uh, number two, I'm going with hangover two. I love the hangover franchise. There's three of them. They're funny as hell. Uh, he was in that. Number three is a show he's in called Billions. I show is so like amazing. It's so well written, so witty, so clever. Uh, he plays a pretty interesting character. He plays a kind of like a lawyer who like he was trying to take down this guy named Bobby Axelrod, and Giamatti is a thorn in his side, and he really wants to just like you know this guy's a big hedge fund guy and he's super rich and he's just like breaking laws and stuff, and Giamatti really wants to take him down. So it's kind of like a cat and mouse type uh, type game throughout that throughout that show. Um, so he's in that, 
Number four, I'm, I'm sideways, which Joe, you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, the scene where they're hitting the go- where they're golfing is so funny. Um, they're golfing. And you know, when you're golfing and the people are supposed to wait their turn, you're on a hole and they're supposed to wait for you to be done with your hole before they start hitting. Right. So they're, they're at a hole. I guess Jim is going too slow. These guys behind them, this, this threesome, they start hitting golf balls, you know, on the same hole that Giamatti's on. And, <laughs> and Giamatti's like that effort hit into us. And, you know, Giamatti's very animated. He's that's one, one cool thing about his acting skills. He's very animated. You know, yeah. he's very like, you know, um, so Giamatti turns towards those guys instead of trying to, you know, complete his hole. And he starts whacking golf balls directly at the guys who are cutting into him. <laughs> and then, yeah. and it's so funny. And then Thomas Hayden Church, uh, another cool actor, he he runs the guys because the guys in the golf cart after they start after the you know the after Giamatti starts hitting the golf balls at them, they take their golf cart and start storming towards Giamatti and Hayden Church. And G- Hayden Church starts running towards them like a madman, like screaming on top of his lungs with a golf club, swinging a golf club, and scares them away. So, really classic scene. Um, then uh, number five, I was going to go tr- the Truman show. Cause the Truman show is a fascinating movie with Jim Carrey, but I'm, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go saving private Ryan. Cause it's such a legendary movie. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's my top five. Jim is an awesome actor. Like I said, he's very animated. Um, he's very unique because let's be honest. He's not a supermodel. He's not even, you know, a lot of people wouldn't even call him like attractive, objectively right nah, and it's, it's doing his looks it's not and that's, what, play, yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's the point i'm getting to his talent his talent and the, the roles he can play and the, the range he can play these roles yeah. um have carried him to a different level of of acting um because you know you have to have the look in hollywood you have to be somewhat attractive and giamatti i have to find interviews where he admits it but i think he would be the first to admit that you know he's not the most attractive guy let's be honest well i think in hollywood i think you're right but i think in hollywood you have to have uh you have to have a microcosm of society so you have to have uh, you know looks never hurt but you also have to have people who are moderately attractive and then you have to have people who let's face it aren't that attractive at all because in society that's what you have you have to have so you have to have people that look you know like he does as a guy you have to have uh you know um you know you know the um like the girl that you know you have to i'm not going to point anyone out but you have to have women and men who are really not attractive that much at all doing movies because you have yeah, to represent they, society you have to so keep my, it real my, right so what i'm making about giamatti is like they do that a lot there's a lot of actors who aren't like super attractive right we could see it right away and like they but a lot of those actors don't make it as big as giamatti has made it that's just, that's what's amazing about him he's got so much talent where oh, yeah. they're like oh Maybe, maybe girls and audiences don't really like looking at this guy that much. I'm not trying to call him ugly by any means. What no, I'm but, saying, yeah. he's a normal looking guy who's made it big in Hollywood. And that's impressive. Right. And, you know, he's funny, too. When he, The angrier he gets, the funnier he is. <laughs> his that's voice kind of squeals and stuff. Yep, it's yep. funny. That's one, one of his best traits is when he gets angry. That's why, Joe, I'm telling you, dude. I'm going to, I got to, I got to find a way to get you a subscription to Showtime or um, I'll find out if billions are streaming on something else besides Showtime or whatever, but the show billions, you see, if you see his performance in billions, I guarantee it would have been in your top five. You'd be like, this is a show, dude. Not only is it a great show, but Giamatti shines. Yeah. Good actor. Um, He's kind of unique which I like, you know, and he's got one of those voices to me that you can have your eyes closed and you hear that voice and you can recognize him right away. He's just, he's just, he's just a good, uh, he fits the bill. He checks all our boxes. So I'm glad we did that. 
Yeah, I'm I'm happy you chose him. Um, because he, you, you know, he really goes under the radar. But it's funny. I was reading. I was watching some of the videos of Giamatti on YouTube, like his interviews and some of the movie scenes. Um, and people in the comments are like, "Can Paul Giamatti please be in every movie?" Like people really love the guy. Like they want him in everything. So he's a yeah. beloved actor. It sounds like you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as Snapple fact, Joe, you chose Snapple fact number 110. Frogs never drink. Um, the reason is that because frogs absorb water through their skin in an area called the drinking patch. It's done by a pro- process popularly known as osmosis. Uh, the skin wow. is semi-permeable membrane through which water solvent passes, but it could also be dangerous because um they can get poison in their skin harmful toxins and chemicals because they're because their skin is like osmosis and it's permeable um and they actually have the ability to take in water directly from a human environment even without direct contact with water which is interesting however they can perish in extremely hot environments um so that could be dangerous because they always need water so they have to be around water or near water to survive um and if you have a frog you should completely avoid tap water for a frog because tap water can kill them. It could have chlorine in it. Uh, best to go for natural water. Um, wow. It's interesting. Adult frogs can actually live up to 16 months without food. Um, so they really do depend on water for more than anything else in survival. They don't even need food for 16 months. Um, so your water helps them with feeding, respiration, reproduction. Uh, it also helps them regulate their body temperature. Um, and you got me actually, you, you unlocked a childhood story. Me and my friend Eddie as a child, um, he used to come to my house and we used to go out and catch frogs, little frogs used to be in the woods. Like there was like little, like water, there's some water and creeks in the woods and things like that. We used to go into the woods and we used to capture frogs. Um, I was obsessed with frogs for probably like, probably like three months. I was obsessed with frogs and then that, that faded in the past, but there was three months there where like me and Eddie were really catching those frogs. And my mom right. was getting pissed off at me. She's like, why do you keep bringing home frogs? And we had to go to the, <laughs> we had to go to the pet store and she had to buy me a little, like a nice little cage for the frog or this little plastic thing to put the frogs in, you know, to take care of them. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, so, yeah, I, I had a frog catching uh, phase, but Joe, you know, what's, why'd you choose this snapple fact? What, you know, you just thought it was cool. It was like, Oh, frogs never drink. Yeah, you know, I go on there and I randomize it and I just try to, you know, you know, there's certain ones that, okay, okay, big deal, big deal. And I just wait for one that to really hit me like, wow, I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. And that's all it was, was just one of those things that it's the one that I saw and I said, well, that's pretty cool. That surprises me. You know, they all kind of surprise me. Just, it's just, there's no set, you know, I just, I, I roll through them until I find one that you know, that I really think is interesting. And that that's the one that, that did it. There's no special, you know. What I'll say is we're kind of like, I know there's, there's a lot of Snapple facts, but me and you have kind of been leaning, we're kind of gravitating um, towards the animal, the animal kingdom ones. The animal kingdom ones are very interesting ones. Yeah, I think that, I think that's it too, that the animal kingdom is very interesting. I was just sitting here thinking too, Sean, that when you talk about, and I'm not comparing the two, when you talk about medical doctors, they have one species, they have to, it's us, right? They have to, you know, look after and, and, and master one species. When you talk about veterinarians, you know, the differences in, in these creatures between like a dog and a parrot or a fish and a snake or, or a frog. And the differences in, 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 
you know, their makeup and, and their anatomy and physiology. It's amazing. Now, obviously, the stakes are higher when you're a doctor, but, you know, doctors deal with one species, whereas veterinarians deal with all of the others. It's just amazing to me how much you have to know to be a yeah, veterinarian. You got me thinking, got me thinking that now um, if I talk to vets, I'm going to have a million questions for veterinarians now. I'm going to be spitting facts to them just because the snapple facts have like really augmented our, our understanding about the animal kingdom. It's, it's, yeah. it's kind of yes. fun. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, moving on to on the real, Joe. You ready to stump me? I'll try, man. But you're you're a tough customer. Um, but I will certainly try. Um, let me just get before I start this a little swig of water. Okay. We have three stories. One of them is real. Okay. First story. Buddies saved from beyond. This is from Altoona, Pennsylvania. Two 11-year-old boys were playing in an old abandoned three-story house scheduled for demolition this spring. While playing in the basement, one of the boys saw what he believed to be a toy gun. After wiping off the dust from the relic, he raised the gun and was just about to point it at his friend and pull the trigger, quote-unquote, all in fun. These 11-year-old boys would do. Okay, and they found what they thought was a toy. Just then, as he's raising the gun and he's going to pull this trigger to, you know, put raising the gun to the head of his friend, he's going to pull the trigger as an 11 year old boy would do with found in a, a toy gun. Just then, a firm voice said, put it down. And they didn't see anybody. They were scared to death. They dropped the gun. They ran. The boys ran frantically from the property only uh, to be stopped by the chief of police who happened to be driving down the road at that very same time. You know, these kids are running out of an abandoned house. They're scared. And the, the police chief of police wants to know hey, what the hell's going on here, right? So after telling their story, the boys were sent home and they were told by the chief, don't play in here anymore, right? That a chief, just to be, you know, just to be thorough, the chief pulls the car over pulls his car over and gets out of the car and he searched the property just to be safe. He went into the basement uh, and he found a small yet fully loaded and functional 22 caliber pistol. The chief revealed the fact that in 1967, a man took his own life in that very basement. The chief the chief's imagination started to run a little bit wild. He ran it past a couple of the other police that have been there, you know, for years. And they all wondered whether, you know, do you think there was something else at work here? Um, the chief said, um, I really don't believe in a lot of that supernatural stuff, but it does make you wonder, quote unquote. The house is scheduled for demolition this June. Interesting. Really, really interesting Wait, so that, right. that was i was getting I, I really pay attention there so you that was a whole that was the first story yep wow that you're really putting uh if you made that up you're putting quite the effort dude i, I, well, we're, I not, that's not, we're, we're not that's not we're not you know it's, it's i'm just telling you the story did you get that one <laughs> not I, being I funny take, but you I, take, would, I take some notes on that bro oh well okay that's the first story second story <laughs> you ready yeah Daycare drug ring, Akron, Ohio. One Melissa Sofield, <laughs> one Melissa Sofield and Jonathan Fisk 
face decades in prison if found guilty. Cocaine, heroin, and methamphetamine were being <laughs> smuggled in and out of the First Steps Daycare Center just outside of Akron, Ohio. The drugs were placed very covertly in the backpacks of the unknowing toddlers. Some of the buyers were parents and other family members of the kids. The kids would arrive with money in their backpacks and would leave with drugs insane. <laughs> the kids yeah. were being used as drug mules without knowing it. The daycare <laughs> has been shut down pending further investigation. Just when you think you've heard the lowest of the low. Anyway, yeah. that's where that's, was this Akron, Akron, Ohio? Just outside of Akron, Ohio. Yep. Okay. Now, the last one. We're going to venture over overseas now. Sewer repair workers uncover ancient Roman sculpture. Okay. Sewer repair workers in Italy uncovered an ancient Roman statue while doing demolition on old sewer pipes. Okay. Now, when you do demolition in areas like, you know, ancient Rome or Greece or, or, or Egypt or somewhere like that, when you're doing that kind of work, you have to have an archaeologist with you just, just to make sure you don't disturb anything or do anything. Okay. So that was, that was the scenario here. So workers unearthed, they uncovered, you know, they dug up, they unearthed this statue's face while working in front of the archaeologist who was supervising the work. The statue, uh, the statue, let me see something here. The statue was immediately identified uh, as someone dressed as Hercules. So the archaeologist said, whoa, 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 what's going on here? And the workers said, hey, I'm a, we got something over here. Look at this. The statue was immediately identified as someone dressed as Hercules. It is a life-size marble carving believed to be from the third century AD. The statue emerged in pieces, means they found bits, they found parts of it here and there. The statue emerged in pieces near Rome's first highway, and I'll spell it for you, A-P-P-I-A, -P -P Appia, Antica, A-N-T-I-C-A. So I want to repeat the sentence. The statue emerged in pieces near Rome's first highway. Appia Antica. It is being cleaned and repaired for public display. That's pretty cool. But anyway, so what we have, I'm just going to recap very quickly. It is. So I know the, the second two I'm, I'm good on. What's what's the what the third one? Where was where was the where was it discovered in the pipes? What what where was it? It was in Rome. Okay, in Rome. Rome. okay, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. In Rome, okay. And the second one was Akron, and the first one was uh so the Altoona, first one was, PA. Don't the first one was Altoona PA. Don't don't summarize the whole first one, but what exactly happened? The kid was gonna shoot his friend and the cop showed up. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to my words. I'm not even gonna read what I wrote from the store. Yeah. Um two kids in Altoona, Pennsylvania. That's out there in the middle of okay. There's this old um three-story building that's due for demolition in june throughout yeah. the it, they figured they it, they say okay. it was built okay. somewhere in I'm late good. i'm good because i'm because i don't want okay. i don't want to go too long with this but um first of all let me commend you for your your detail work here because it's very the devil is in the details right um your detail work here is amazing and um you had to make up two and only one's real. So whatever you made up is pretty damn thorough and, and convincing. So you, you got me a little bit confused here. 
I'm just racking my brain. First of all, if I know, know of any of the stories, if I know of any of the stories, it's going to help me out to obviously choose the real one, but I don't really recall. I'm let me think here. So the, the, the drug mule one sounds absurd. LeBron James is from Akron, Ohio. LeBron James would never, King James would never let uh, kids be used as drug mules. So I'm skeptical of that. Um, I'm just joking about LeBron James, obviously. He's got no power over that. But what I'm saying is I don't think that's happening, but I wouldn't be surprised in the sick world we live in. Um, The statue one is plausible, very plausible. I'm torn between the statue one and the the Altoona one where the kid had the gun and the cop intervened. He happened to be there. It was like a miracle that he was there type of thing. I'm going to go with the police one being real. The police one being real with the, the kid with the gun. You, sir, are unfortunately incorrect. Wow. Please tell, please tell me that the, the drug mule one's fake, too, though. The drug one is fake. Okay. So the, the, statue, the two kids the with was, the gun okay. is fake. So the third one, the third one. Yeah, the third one, that one was plausible to me, too. Because I could have swore. I, I see stories like this all the time where, like, you know, a cop having to be in the right place at the right time and like save someone's life or something like that, or something happens and there's like divine intervention. So it wasn't far fetched what you said, and you gave so much damn detail. So I was almost thinking, okay, he gave so much detail. Maybe he's really trying to fool me. So that's why it could be fake. But I'm like, nah. All right. So, so the the, the Roman statue one's real, Hercules one, right? Yes. Um, okay, and I just want to tell you the one with the gun with the two kids that was based on a real life experience the, of yours truly. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, was, I, I thought I've heard similar types. I don't know if you told me that before, but like, but it's still. Can I tell you still, real quickly? The story? Real, you know what? I'm going to tell you real quickly the story, the real story okay. of what happened to me. Um, it's uh, my friend Pat and I, when we were 15, 16, 17, his aunt was a hairstylist so we used to go over there and get our little we used to call them our disco haircuts back in the day was back in you know it was get the you know our she was really good she was a stylist and we would go see aunt gladys um once a month to get our haircuts so we and she had her set up in our home right so we went there one day and she was still working with some lady she was still cutting her hair so pat and i had a few moments to kill before um you know, we had you, you normally one of us would just jump into the chair and get our hair cut and the other one would go. So we had a few minutes We're walking around the house and it was just a rancher. We walked into the bedroom and on the bureau was this. It looked like a little cap gun, like a little toy uh, and really did. So I picked it up. And I put it to his head and I was going to pull the trigger out of just being funny. But I thought, nah, it's, it's a little bit over the time. I'm not going to actually pull the trigger. But I went boom like that. And we laughed and I put it down. He picks up the gun a second later, does the same to me, thought about pulling the trigger, but didn't pull the trigger. And we both laughed about it and this and that. And we thought nothing of it. A couple of weeks later, when he told Aunt Gladys about what happened with the toy gun, she said, what? She says, guys because she was talking to pat and his couple of brothers that were there she goes guys what don't ever ever do that she says i live alone i get afraid for my safety that's a real gun and it's fully loaded so patrick and or myself 
could have that day made a terrible, terrible mistake. We were right there on it. And I don't know why our better angels were looking after us, but that could have been a heartbreaking day. Wow. And that's well, the truth. I was, so my instincts were right that it was a real story, but it just wasn't a news story and just a personal experience here. So, you know, well, I get part of the credit kind of. You, you know? do, Sean, but I, you missed a, a critical, and maybe I didn't say it. Um, I didn't, maybe I didn't spend it. Uh, I was trying to lock in and focus, but I was just like, man, this is going on. on the, you, the one critical thing that, that I maybe I should have done a better job of getting across was these two kids were in the basement of this old, old broken down building. They find this rusty gun. One of them's getting ready to go up and pull the trigger because he thinks it's a toy. And they, they hear a voice. They hear a voice say, put it down. Oh, and so they don't the voice, see anybody. Okay, okay, okay. So the so voice, the whole thing with the, that voice, he, was that a ghost? Was that a ghost yeah. of the guy that killed yeah. himself in that basement looking after him? Who knows? Yeah. 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 That I added in, but you're getting you're getting really good at this uh, storytelling stuff. I like it. You know, maybe we, you and I should go into the short story writing thing. Maybe what the hell? We ought to give that a go. <laughs> I mean, hey, if people, if people, if there's an audience, you know, maybe we'll do it. You know? Yeah. No, we we should mess around with something like that. Anyway, that's that. Um, it. One thing I wanted to tell you that, well, maybe, I don't know, we could keep going like this, or maybe we just write the headline and you guess the headline. That's something we'll talk about on our own time. I don't it's, know. Yeah, it's it's easier. It's easier to write, just write a headline. I know what you mean. But yeah. like, I mean, some of these friggin' stories, it's like, it's, it's kind of fun <laughs> making stuff yeah, up sometimes. Right? It is. It is. It's time consuming, but it challenges your imagination, you know? So it is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah we'll so. leave it alone. We'll leave it alone. Okay. Um, quickly, we'll do a Mur- Alex Murdaugh and Brian Koberger update. Um, I'm going to ask you, is it Murdaugh or is it Murdoch? That's, I, I wanted to ask you because uh, um, I've heard it know. both ways. I should probably pay more attention to the court case. And like every time they say the name, it's simple as that. But I'm just reading articles and like watching little clips yeah. of the lawyers talking, but I got to lock into that. I'm not, oh, I didn't not, ask you in a suggestive way. I asked you that, and with all earnestness, I'm not sure. The reason, all. the reason I don't care that much is because the guy is a damn psychopathic killer. Oh my God. Is he a piece of work? I mean? I'll let you so speak. It's not, yeah, it's not like an actor work. where it's not like an actor where I want to get the name right. It's like this guy, I don't care how you pronounce his damn name. Just send <laughs> That's this a good guy point, to, send this guy to jail for life, you know? Oh, anyway, reptile, real <laughs> reptile. <laughs> Quick update. Brian Kohlberger allegedly was fired from his position as a teaching assistant at Washington State University. Um, that's kind of, I didn't know that he was fired from his position. Uh, and then investigators in uh, where the Idaho murders uh, took place, um, they're digging through cold case files for potential connections to him. So they're checking out cold case files to see if he's ever killed anyone before. So that could be that could be pretty interesting to find out if he's, he's been involved in other crimes or this is his first crimes. Um, and some people believe that Koberger left the brown leather sheath um, intentionally uh, to point blame towards someone in the military because the knife sheath said Kabar, K-A hyphen bar and USMC for, I think, uh, military, um, the Marine Corps, obviously. Um, it, had the, it had the Eagle Globe and the anchor insignia. So basically, he, he could have been doing that to point blame at someone in the military. So this guy is quite a... Quite a conniving type of killer type type guy, but um, uh, Murdoch. I don't Murdoch Murdoch. However you pronounce the damn crazy killer's name, uh, don't have a ton of updates. All I really have is that there was a bomb threat and the courtroom had to be cleared like yesterday, <laughs> and also, um, someone testified 
the housekeeper testified that um, his wife, Maggie, who we killed, allegedly killed, had secret, secret concerns about um, a $30 million, $31 million lawsuit. Um, and there's something about like a shirt and a collar. Um, he, was, he was ready to walk out of the house and his wife said to him, Alex, hold on, your collar's sticking up. Uh, it's important because um, it's the same color, but not necessarily the same shirt that Murdoch was later seen in the day on a Snapchat video with Paul. So uh, never saw the shirt again. Uh, the housekeeper never saw that shirt again. Um, so I don't know. There's something going on with the shirt and the collar and there's a bomb threat. That's the updates I have for the case. Um, but moving on to our current event. Um, this one is really disturbing to me and it's really upsetting, but we got to talk about it. Um, the article is from New York Times, but it's all over the news, not just in the New York Times. Uh, it's called The Troubled Mother Faces Murder Charges in Her Young Children's Deaths. Um, so this lady uh, killed, her name is Lindsay Clancy. She's accused of strangling her three children and her lawyer is trying to argue that she's mentally ill. Did, did you hear about this case? The mother who killed her, her young children? I have not. That's what's weird. I have not heard this. So uh, she strangled her three children. Um, oh apparently, God. the prosecutor is trying to say that it was meticulously planned. Um, they're trying to argue that it's mental illness. Um, she had her, she said, they're trying to argue that like, the, she concocted an errand for her husband to run. Um, so he sent, she sent her husband out to pick up food at a restaurant for about 25 minutes. Oh, God. And that was long enough for her to, to kill her children. She strangled each, ch- each child with an exercise band. Um, and it would only require holding each of them down for at least four minutes. And there's three children. So that'll take about 12 minutes. Oh, my God. And then she leapt, she leapt from a second story window and that it fractured her spine. So she tried to kill herself right after it happened. And then she didn't, she survived. So she's alive. So, you know, she's on trial. Um, so she said she heard a voice that night. Um, she said she had a, a moment of psychosis and the voice told her to kill her kids and herself because it was her last chance. Um, and the defense is trying to argue that she repeatedly sought help for postpartum depression. She was prescribed 13 psychiatric medications in a four month period, but she kept having suicidal uh, thoughts and it culminated in a break, obviously on January 24th. Um, the thing about it, which doesn't make a lot of sense, it's not in her character to want to kill her kids because she was a labor and delivery no- nurse. Uh, she was known as a gener- generous friend, doting mo- mother, no criminal record, no history of abusing her children. The ages of the children were five, three, and a baby. Um, so there's a lot of women who deal with postpartum depression. They go through psychosis. Um, so, you know, they're trying to, the tr- defense is trying to argue mental illness postpartum psychosis psychosis prosecutors are trying to say that she's a very calculated killer she planned this she had her husband run an errand um and apparently on january 5th three weeks before the killings uh she was released from a five-day inpatient stay at mclean hospital a psychiatric hospital um and she was released because apparently she didn't pose a threat to herself or others um so, but she did post a lot on social media. She left a trailer of family snapshots and updates on her mental health. Uh, one post, she talks about a reaction of adverse reaction to Zoloft. That's an antidepressant. 
She said she had extreme insomnia and a lack of appetite, so she stopped taking it. So that's key. She stopped taking her Zoloft. Um, yeah, so she was on a cocktail of drugs for psychosis, uh, antidepressants, benzodiazepines. You know that where that word is the long word benzodiazepines, whatever it is. Mood Benzodiazepam. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Right on, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, she took Ambien for sleep. Um, and her husband even said a week before she, you know, she killed the kids. He said, uh, she went to the, you know, he went to the doctor and he asked the doctor for help. She said, please, you're turning him, her into a zombie. Because a lot of people take these medicines and they really do turn to zombies. They're not yeah. themselves. Um, so yeah, postpartum psychosis is very plausible because for a mother who was a nurse and a doting mother to suddenly want to kill her children thinks, and she said that she heard a voice telling her to do it, which is really scary. Um, I got news for anybody. If you ever hear a voice telling you to do something, especially something very dangerous like killing someone, just know you shouldn't do it. Even though you're hearing this quote unquote voice, just don't listen to any of those voices. And get help immediately. Get help immediately if you hear voices. Exactly. Um, But she said um, there was, there was, you know, it's not unusual for doctors and family members to miss signs of postpartum psychosis in high functioning women. So they might think she's acting normal and stuff, but they couldn't miss signs of it. Um, but yeah, it's just a very sad story. Um, really, really sad. Yeah. And this happens all the time. Mothers kill their babies and postpartum psychosis is a real thing. And it's, it's a big reason why it happens. I'd have to learn more too about postpartum. I've heard about post, postpartum depression and postpartum. So and let me ask you this. Has she, did she have any other psychiatric problems whatsoever, any kind of history before this um, postpartum thing? I don't, well, I mean, what, what, what and I, I know you may you. not have it in front of you, but those are questions that I no, have no, to get but she, Well, she had, she had been seeing the doctor and she was on 13 different medications, dude. So obviously it was going on, you know? Well, I thought that was after the postpartum thing. I, I just, I'm just, I'm oh, just well, curious. Well, well, cause, cause, cause uh, she had a baby. So I don't know how postpartum, I have to look at how, how far postpartum lasts, but she was on the medicines and all that stuff. So um, I don't know if she, that's what, that's what it doesn't say in this, at least in this New York times article, if she had been diagnosed before postpartum with any mental that, illness. Right? That, that's it, a, a big, big question mark that I would have yeah. to, because I, I guess you're asking me how I feel about this. And I don't, I don't really, I feel, I, I, I feel heartbroken every time, every time I hear stuff like this, I really, really, really do. Um, uh, and but you try to you try to have empathy for people with mental illness. I just would have have to know what her history was with mental illness before this postpartum thing, because yeah. lots of women deal with this postpartum thing and they deal with it successfully. It's not very comfortable, uh, but they 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 deal with it. They don't kill their kids. But what was her history before this? Was was she absolutely, you know, um, you know, it, 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 there, 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 there are a lot of questions there. I just I think I'm going to stay away from it. I. I just pray for the souls of those, those kids. Now here's something else too. She jumped out of a, you know, she jumped out of a window too. I mean, she's definitely yeah, not she's right. She's paralyzed now. She's paralyzed. So. Yeah. So it's not like that, that. I told you about that one, um, Susan Smith or whatever the hell that lady's name was that drove her boys into a lake and, 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 and left them there to drown. And, and, and that, that, that she got her own ass out of there safely though. Didn't she? I mean, this woman, she jumped out of a, a, a this other woman, she jumped out of a, you know, now she's paralyzed. So, 
it's hard to say she was like faking it, but it, it, it's really, it, it's really just, dis- man, it, it's really disturbing. I just pray for the souls of those three babies, man. That's all. Yeah. Uh, it just put, this took place in Duxbury, Massachusetts. If anyone uh, curious where this took place. Mm. Um, but apparently there's been statements from the defense and her husband and 50 family members and friends and colleagues. Um, they testified for her character. Um, so she's got a lot of people testifying on behalf of her character. So even if she had mental illness before the postpartum depression, um, people knew her as a great person, a great woman, a great mother. Um, so that's really that's really not important because um, the postpartum, that seems to be the defense, right? The right. postpartum seems to be what they're relying on because postpartum psychosis is, is obviously a real thing. Um right. So it just ha- when I see these stories, I get sick to my stomach. I'm like, oh my god! Imagine the husband, uh, you know, he's got his beautiful wife, he's got beautiful family and kids, and you know, he goes home from picking up his family food, and he finds his three children dead, and his wife paralyzed outside. It's like, what? That's going to halt him for the rest of his life, and he's he doesn't have his kids anymore, and well, his wife's paralyzed, and she's uh, deemed a murderer. So it's it's very sad. Well, dude, one of the most paralyzing, um scenes that i've ever seen in a movie is um in that movie dicaprio played in played in what was it called um where he was in um island shutter island or something like that he played in the movie shutter island and he came home and the wife was the one who was mentally sick and he came home and with the babies floating in the lake oh my god that that thing that thing is still like that. That could be like that. That could be like the first day of hell if your spirit, if your soul ever goes to hell. Like that's day one. Like uh, I just, I just, I, oof, I can't even imagine yeah. that. And it's just not one. It's two or three babies. It's like I, I, I don't know how you, I don't know how you stay sane after something like lost, like that. In a matter of moments, the guy realized he lost everything important to him. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Woof, man. Let's. We gotta. We gotta move. We gotta move away from that. Anyway, I pray for the souls of those three babies that that God's given them extra love wherever they are. That's all. Yeah. Um, moving on to sports, real quick. We're gonna talk about the Super Bowl, obviously. But um, the Knicks played the Sixers tonight, and Joe, it looks like your team got the better of us tonight. You guys, we beat you last game. You guys beat us tonight. Um, this game, I believe, was at the well. It was actually in Philadelphia, so you guys won a home game. But I don't want to talk about it quickly about. I just had a good gambling beat. Um, I did a little smart parlay. I bet seven dollars and seventy-seven cents, seven point seven seven, that Jalen Brunson would have over twenty-three point five points. He did. Jalen Brunson would have over one point five threes. He did. Joel Embiid would have over three point five assists. He did. So I won forty-five, about forty-six bucks. So that's a win. That's a good gambling beat that just happened during the show. Even though the Knicks lost, I won my bet. Okay. Um, <laughs> you're silent. Oh, yeah, I just, I, you know, it's, um, you're the gambler. I'm not really the gambler. And I, 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 I'm a small time gambler, dude. I mean, I just bet seven. I could, I, normal people would bet like 20 bucks on that. I just threw $7 and 77 cents for fun. You know, if I bet 20, I would have won obviously over double, but it's just fun, you know, just to have some action, you know, I'm not, you know, I, I just have fun with it. I don't it's lose cool. any money. Yeah, it, it's, 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 it's kind of your thing. And I just let you do your thing and I just take it all in and it's cool. But I, I, if I have something to add, I'll chirp, you know me, but 
Yeah. I'm good. Um, as far as NFL goes, I think there's a little game they call the uh, the Super Bowl. That's happening what? Sunday. What is it? Um, what is it called? Uh, okay. I think it's a Sunday. Joe. I'm not sure if you know. Um, okay. I thought it was next week, but I just want to. Okay. Um, I wanted to Patrick watch that Ed Harris Pat- movie, but what? <laughs> Patrick. Patrick Mahomes won MVP, man. First, let's talk about that. Do you think he deserved MVP? Uh, probably. Over, yeah, over I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm proud that Jalen was mentioned and thought of. Uh, uh, but uh, Patrick is, and look, a tongue-in-cheek, I say this or that, right? Patrick Mahomes is a, is a very good quarterback. He's a really nice kid, too. He's a gentleman, and his coach is a good dude, too. And let, let me just get that up front. Um, I think when you talk about MVP, you talk about, well, if I take this player from this team, what do I have? Right. And a lot of people feel that if they take Jalen Hurts away from uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, that they're still going to have a pretty damn good team if you plug in another, you know, pretty good quarterback. I think with the Chiefs, I think a lot of people feel that, dude, if you take Patrick Mahomes away from this team, you just got, you know, you got a little bit better than 500 football team in the AFC. You got another, you know, I don't know what, it, but it, it's one of those things that that's what it is. MVP. Take them away. Yeah, what do you have? Look at the Eagles, though. They took, took away Jalen Hurts and Minshew couldn't win any games, really. So, well, yeah. therein lies the rub. But when I said you take away Jalen Hurts, you put in another competent quarterback. Uh, I don't really think I don't think Minshew is really, you know. Um, but if you take away Jalen Hurts, and as much as I don't like Sims or his son too much, if you take away Jalen Hurts, and I love Jalen, but you replace him with another reasonably good quarterback with some mobility that can do uh, the the scheduled runs, not just the improv runs, but the scheduled runs. That kid on the Giants, Jones, I think he's pretty good. And I think if you put him in our in, in our offense, I'm not saying he's going to be Jalen, but th- there's not a whole lot wrong with Daniel Jones. I think um, – like Sims said, the kid, I don't know. I know Phil Sims is the father, but the kid, I don't know. But he said, if you put Jones into the Eagles offense, you still have a pretty damn good football team and it might be right where they are. I'm not so sure he's, and I love Jalen, but I'm not so sure he's wrong. If you put Jones on the Chiefs, are they really there? I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't mind it because Patrick's won a Super Bowl. He's on every commercial. He's got a little more gravitas than Jalen right now. That's fine. And also, I like it because if I'm Jalen Hurts, I'm saying, all right, you blankety blankers, you don't think I'm, you think, are you you're going to overlook me again? Good. Keep overlooking me because every time you overlook me, guess what I do? And so, um, in other words, I would like him to use it as motivation. So I, I love it. I love it. But yeah, go ahead. So I saw something that. Some someone I was watching something on the treadmill or something on TV where I saw this guy predict that Kenneth Gainwell, who's got like a you know hundred thousand odds or something like that to win MVP, he thinks Gainwell is going to win an MVP. Would you be shocked if Kenneth Gainwell won an MVP? Shocked? No. Yeah. No, because I don't know what kind of game this is going to be. I think the birds are going to have to run and pass. It's not going to be just one or the other. They got to run and pass. And if they're running the ball well and they're running a lot, Gainwell is he's he's sneaky good. So I could see that scenario. Um, I could also see a Devontae Smith, you know, or 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 AJ Brown. I I don't really know exactly how it's going to go down, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if 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 Gainwell were to win it. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, it'd be pretty interesting. You know, I don't know. You don't make any bets, but if you if, if I think if the odds are so ridiculous for Gainwell, if you put like five bucks on Gainwell, you're you're liable to win over a hundred at least. So okay. interesting, uh, interesting bet. But um, as far as the let's let's talk about we'll talk about the game in a second. But there's some funny prop bets, dude. You know, people are betting on the, the length of the national anthem. The over under for the length of the national anthem is 124.5 seconds. So it's about two minutes and four seconds. If it goes over two minutes and four seconds, then you win. If you took the over, if it goes under, you took the under, you win that. Uh, there's a bet in the, you can bet in the coin toss. You got a 50, 50 shot in the coin toss. Um, you could Rihanna, the beautiful, uh, lovely singer. Rihanna is a halftime performer. Um, she's gorgeous. Um, you could bet on the amount of songs that she plays. I think the over under is like 8.5 songs. Um, Color of the Gatorade you could bet on, which brand which which brand will be the first commercial. Um, but I'm thinking, can't some of this stuff be fixed? Like you know, can't someone find out what color the Gatorade will be? Can't someone <laughs> yeah. find out? Can't yeah. someone attend the rehearsal of the national anthem? Can't some obviously they can't predict the to- the coin toss, but can't someone attend Rihanna's rehearsal and know how many songs she's going to play? Like some of this, some of these prop bets amaze me because like a lot of people could find out inside information about them. True. I agree. I agree. That's probably why I wouldn't mess around and, and bet on too much of that stuff. I wouldn't bet yeah. on anything, really. It's just not my thing. But if I were to bet, it would I would probably stay away from things like that for those reasons. Yeah. Um, as far as the Eagles-Chiefs matchup goes, dude, I think uh, I read something interesting. I think the Eagles should run, 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 run the ball, man. Um, they've been tested this year, and They've had 10 games against top 15 run defenses, and they rank uh, number two when going against top 15 run uh, run defenses. They have their number their number one in expected points added per play. It's at plus 0.12. The average and think about this: the average in NFL uh, on their run plays is is negative 0.07. The Eagles are at plus 0.12. The second ranked team is plus 0.03. So the Eagles are dominating. Uh, running the ball versus good run defenses. Um, their success rate is 50%. The average in the NFL is, is 37. So they're, you know, they're, they're, they're a hell of a running team, dude. I think it might be boring to watch a lot of runs, but I think the Eagles could run all over the, the chiefs. Um, however, um, the chiefs are not great at defending passes uh, from an 11 personnel. When, it, when, a, when a team has one running back and one tight end, that's the 11 personnel. The Eagles use that a lot. The third highest of any team in the league. So the, the Eagles could also pass. So I, I really think, you know, they're only favored by one and a half points. But I really think the Eagles are – I'm probably going to bet in the Eagles, I'll be honest. But one thing I'm thinking is, like, a lot of the public money is on the Eagles. Um, so, you know, a lot of public money is on the Eagles. And the, the sports books have a lot of money to make if the Eagles lose. Not saying the game is fixed at all. However – the, the sports books know a lot of information that they, they're really good with their computers. So just be very careful if you're betting heavy on the Eagles. I do think they're going to win. What I'm saying is just be careful if you're betting really heavy on the Eagles. Um, and uh, as far as Mahomes goes, he's played five games against top 10 pass defenses. Um, and he ranks first in the valuable metrics against top 10 pass defenses. So a good defense does not scare Mahomes. He could pass the ball versus anybody. Um, yeah. and there's aspects of the, the Eagles' past defense that actually ranked really poor, poorly. Um, 
So the Chiefs specialize in all the areas of the Eagles' weaknesses. So the Eagles are are weak in throws from one to nine yards. Um, the, the Chiefs are good at that. The Chiefs throw a lot from the shotgun without play action. Um, Eagles are not really good at defending that. Um, Mahomes still gets the ball, gets rid of the ball really quickly. He gets rid of the ball within 1.5 to 2.5 seconds. Yeah. Um, so, and also Jalen Hurts does not have a lot of second half experience while trailing. So he hasn't been, so if they're trailing at halftime, it's going to be a situation that Hurts hasn't been in a lot because the Eagles weren't really trailing a lot at halftime this season. So um, those are my data that, that I've kind of looked up and researched about the game. Those are the numbers. Uh, I have a feeling the Eagles are going to win. Um, but Joe, you know, how are you, as an Eagles fan, are you like, Kind of like happy, excited? Are you nervous, excited? How what type of excited are you? Uh, I'd say ner- I'd say nervous, excited. Um, I listen. A lot of respect for Patrick Mahomes. A lot of respect for Andrew Andy Reid. Um, that being said, um, I think we have the tools we need to beat this team. Um, you look at the. Uh, the trenches. You look at the offensive line. I think we, like you, you alluded to. I mean, we can run the ball. We we, we run the ball against the San Francisco 49ers. We run the ball against every team that could quote unquote. Man, these guys are man. These guys are they're no joke. You can't run against the and we run the ball against them because if we we stay with it, we've got some killers. We've got some stone cold killers up there. I mean, just, you know, you got Maialata on one side, you know, and and you've got my boy Lane Johnson on the other side. You've, you just, you, everybody across that line is, is, is really um, big, strong, and good at what they do. And they, they just are. And throughout football history, you go back and look at Washington Redskins, your Cowboys of the early 90s, those guys were, were legendary. Those were maulers, 2-A and those guys and, and Allen. I mean, when you can do that, you can do that. Now, you got to make sure the game doesn't get away from you to where you have to become a throwing team and you become one-dimensional. So as long as the Eagles, you know, disallow the Chiefs from pulling away, they can keep it, you know, to the point where they can run the ball. Like you said, run, run, run. What I'd like to see them do is get up early by 10, 14 points. This is wishful thinking, but get get up early by 10, 14 points. And then, then it's just going to be, I'm going to run this thing because that's what we do. And we're going to run it right across the goal line. We're not just going to, we're going to run it and we're going to keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline as long as we can. In other words, you're going to control the game. I look at our offensive line against their D line. They got one guy that's really Sean Jones, I think his name is or whatever. Um, he's a great player, but that's only one dude. Chris Jones. Chris Jones. Uh, so, and then I look at the other way. I look at the fact that we could put, put pressure on on Patrick with just using four guys because we have a damn good defensive line. Their offensive line is no joke, but we've gone up against good offensive lines before. Um, and they don't have the cheetah. And I think that's such a big, big, because they say, well, he's back to the Super Bowl and without, he might be back to the Super Bowl, but you go back and look at their season, look kind of, and look, they almost messed around and lost to the Jaguars at home a couple of weeks ago. That guy doesn't fumble that ball at the four yard line. That's a three point game with five minutes left and with, with Jacksonville with the momentum. They're not the same ball club. And even last week they eked it out, but they're not the same ball club they were 
back when they had the cheetah and back when they're so they've lost quite a bit as far they really have and they're still respectable they're still a one of the best teams in the afc and they still got that quarterback but at the end of the day i really do believe when i step back and just look at this thing um i think we i think let me just i'm going to put it to you real in in the easiest terms that i can I think it's far more arduous for them to rack up points against our defense than vice versa. I think it's easier for us to score points, more points, right, against their defense than it is for their offense to score a lot of points against our defense. They're going to get their scores. You're not going to keep them out of the end zone, but I think we have enough talent to do that too. So I'm going to cut right to the chase. I respect them. I'm not going to disrespect the Kansas City Chiefs. But I'm just going to say, because I think our team is a damn good football team, and I'm not just saying that with green color goggles. I think we got a damn good physical football team. And I think what's going to happen is I think we can put up, if we put up how many points against the, the vaunted um, 49er defense, you look at these good defenses that we put up points against. I think to think we could put up 44 points against these guys is not unheard of. And that really, because the, the Chiefs defense is, is respectable, but they're not, they're not what the 49ers are. You know, they're not what some of these other defenses are. So for us to put up 44 points against them is just what I see. I'm not Nostradamus. I could be wrong. I could be dead wrong. And if I am, I'll admit it. But I see 44. And on the Chiefs side, you're not going to keep them out of the end zone. I got them three touchdowns and two field goals. It's 21, it's 27. I got 44-27 Philly. That's what okay. I see. And I hope I hope I'm right. If I'm not, I'll I'll stand up in a minute. But I think okay. it don't, doesn't need don't. to be this. You know, we always say it's good. It has to be close and this to go. No, it doesn't. Not necessarily. So that's what I have. I hope I'm I right. Think, uh, I'm on the same page as you, dude. I think the Eagles are going to put up over 30 points. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, man, I think it's going to be more than, see, I want, as like a neutral observer, I want it to be a high scoring, fun game to watch. Mm-hmm. So I don't want it to necessarily be a blowout. I don't want it to be over in like the second quarter. Everyone's like, oh, you know, let's watch the halftime show. Let's watch the commercials. And, you know. Yeah. See, I um, do if it's going my way. <laughs> right. Yeah. I got you though. I got you. Um, I'm thinking Eagles 38, Chiefs. Chiefs 30. They won by eight. I'll take it. And, you know, I'm not saying that. The, I don't know if the, I don't think they win by eight, but I don't know if the Chiefs will have the ball in the last possession to tie the game up and go down the field. Then they, you know, they have to score and get a two point conversion. I could see something being dramatic like that, too. I think it's going to be comfortable. I think I think the Eagles will be up like 38 to like 23. Mm-hmm. And then the, the Chiefs will score another touchdown. It'll be 38 to 30. and That'll be the score of the game. Um, so that's my, I'm 38, 30, you're 44, 27, mm-hmm. both going this, high scores. And we're, we're way above the, we're, if you really believe that, dude, you should, I'm not saying the bet, but the over is only 51 points. Well, so thing if, I if, hope. If, if both teams combined score over 51 points, you win. So it's very tempting, but also we're not football Nostradamus experts here. We're just guys throwing, you know, our opinions out there. So take it with a grain of salt, right. uh, but the over is 51. But so. what I don't want to see, Sean, is if it is a close game, if it's a close game and it's coming down to the wire, what I don't want to see is another total horse shit call made to benefit the more popular team, 
the more popular Patrick and Andy Reid. We'll give him the call. I, I, I've, I've seen it so many freaking times that I hope we're, I hope there's some separation in the score because if it's a tight game and there's a, a bullshit call to be made, I know who it's going to favor. Uh, so that's another reason why I'm hoping that there's some separation. I also yeah. feel that it's feasible. Like I just uh, told you, I think it's very feasible. I see a scenario in which there could be that kind of a separation between these two ball clubs. Um, go back and look at the, the, the seasons they had, the teams they played, the losses they took, and so forth and so on. Uh, okay, the Chiefs aren't what they were. Still respectable. I still got a lot of respect for them. But they are not what they were even two years ago, brah. So Yeah, and uh, the, the post-game the post show, we'll do a show Monday night most likely. Um, can you talk about... We're going to talk about we're going to talk a little. We'll have Super Bowl memories on Monday show. We'll have a little segment with the Super Bowl memories, maybe. Probably we will have that. Um, just right now, let me ask you: What is your favorite Super Bowl memory of all time? Just to give people a little uh, preview for next show. My favorite Super Bowl memory of all time. That's a damn. That's a damn good question. Now, and and, and aside from. Well, you know, when we won it, when we finally won it, that kind of a thing. I'm going to say excluding that, right? Excluding my, the Eagles winning it. Like, aside from that, we ought to make that a little parenthesized thing. You know, you can't be your home, you know, team, whatever. But what sticks out. You can, you can if you want. You could, you could choose the Eagles. That could, that's a perfectly fine memory because your team won. Yeah. Um, okay. Then, then, then I will. I think the. I think the, the the best thing, obviously I could say, well, the Hail Mary that Tom Brady threw up that we didn't want to hit the ground we won. But I think if you go back before that, when Brandon Graham stripped that ball from Brady because they were getting ready, they were down by five, the, the Patriots were. And you knew it. I felt it in my gut. Here comes the coup de gras. And I've seen this movie before. I know how it ends. And Lord, please let the let us get something here. And Brandon comes through and he strips that ball away and Barnett jumps on it, the rookie, and we get it. And then when we stick that field goal, when we stick that field goal and it's eight points, now it's like, damn, they're like four minutes left, three minutes left. And we got these jokers down by eight, even if they come down and score which they probably won't do. But even if they do, then they got to do a two point conversion. They got to convert. And then even if they do that, then the worst case scenario is we're going to go to overtime. That was such a relief when they got that fumble and then they stuck it through the uprights to go up by eight. I'm like, wow, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. Um, uh, and let that me was, ask you real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. What, what do you, do you already know what you're eating on Super Bowl Sunday? What are you going to be munching on during the game? I'm just going to try to take that that attitude like um, like the players should on the on the Eagles and everything. This is just a normal, just another game. Don't make anything crazy or another game and this and that. So I've got some of my homemade sauerkraut that I, I made a batch last week. I kept half for this Sunday, and I'm going to put some of those uh, some of those uh, nice um, oh Hebrew national um, bratwurst on hot dog rolls and then just with a lot of mustard and a lot of kraut and maybe some macaroni and cheese to go with it and uh some apple turnovers for dessert i get these 
these Pepperidge Farm, you get them in the freezer section, Pepperidge Farm apple turnovers. My mother used to make them all the time. And they're just so much better than just going out and buying them. They're just crispier and nicer. But the Pepperidge Farm, you get a package of four, you put them in the oven for 20 minutes, and you let them sit, sprinkle some powdered sugar on them, and they're just so damn good. Um, so it's, it's really a decadent dessert that's like easy to make, and I love them. Um, so yeah, so I'm going to go, uh, bratwurst with kraut and mustard and some macaroni and cheese. And for dessert, I'll eat all four of the damn turnovers and, and, uh, and that's it, but that's, that's adequate. That's a nice Sunday football yeah. Sunday. I'm not going to make it any more than it should be. Right. Yep. And, uh, as far as, uh, quickly, we're going to end the show, you know, unless you have something else to say about the Eagles game, Joe, but, um, Nick's just acquired, Josh Hart. Josh Hart was instrumental in the 2016 Villanova National Championship team. He is reunited with Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson and him were teammates, obviously, um, at Villanova. And now they're reunited in New York. And I, I could not be more happy. When I saw that news, I was thrilled. The only thing I'm a little angry about is they traded Ryan Archidiakono, who was a point guard for that 2016 championship winning team. So all three of them are kind of like best friends. They're really close. Um, so I'm looking forward to uh, Hart and Brunson playing together in New York, but I hopefully that hopefully that um, hopefully the Blazers can wave Archie Diakono and the Knicks can quickly resign Arch because he's a great locker room guy. He's a natural born leader. He's tough as nails. Um, I think having him in that locker room and around the Knicks would be great. And one thing I'd like to shout out to the Knicks is Villanova had they played DePaul Wednesday night. Uh, we won the game, but we retired Jalen Brunson's jersey. It is, is uh, he has, It's like his retirement ceremony. We, we honored Jay Wright, Coach Jay Wright. But the whole entire New York te- Knicks team came to support Jalen Brunson. The whole entire New York Knicks team, including some coaches and stuff, were in the crowd at Villanova, at the Pavilion, where I saw you know, a lot of Villanova games as a student there. So I think that's pretty cool that the whole Knicks, the whole Knicks team came to support their teammate. That was pretty damn uh, impressive. I'm happy about that. Yeah. So neat. that's that. Um, as far as the show goes, Super Bowl, the show after the Super Bowl, we'll know who won the game. Uh, Joe, the floor is yours. I'm just the soul whose intentions are good. Oh, Lord, please don't let me be misunderstood. Good night. Take care.